Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Weekly Insight Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Andrew Dore. Really appreciate you being here today and hope we're able to bring something of value to you. Before I dive into this, I want to do what we do every week and just remind you that what we're talking about today is a discussion of our opinions on the market, our opinion on the economy, and it should not be construed as individual investment advice. These are pieces of information you should really take to your financial planner or to us and have a conversation about how it applies to your individual portfolio before you run out and make any decisions. So with that out of the way, let's take a dive into kind of a different approach to the weekly insight this week. You know, last week sucked in the market. This year, so far, hasn't been a lot of fun. S&P's down, what, 13%, I think, for the year. And we've hashed and rehashed the whys and the hows of that over and over again. I would point you back to last week's podcast where I talked a lot about the upcoming Fed meeting, which is going to be happening on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Really, there's nothing more I can say about why the market was down hard on Friday or down last week that isn't tied directly back to that podcast last week. It is all about the Fed right now. It is all about expectations and what the Fed is going to say, and more particularly what Chairman Powell is going to say after the Fed meeting on Wednesday. And I don't think there's probably a whole heck of a lot I can add to that conversation other than to point you back to the things we've talked about before. So instead of rehashing it, we're going to take this week, we're going to do a flashback. And I want to take you back to a time roughly six years ago. The date was January 20th, 2016. Barack Obama's still president. Donald Trump, is running for president, but no one really thinks he's going to be president. COVID was four years away. The economy was chugging along. The world was in a pretty good place. But you would not have known that if you picked up an edition of the Wall Street Journal or you've turned on CNBC or, frankly, any of the evening news. Why? Because at that point in time, the market was in the midst of what would end up being about a 14% correction in the S&P and more than an 18-point correction in the NASDAQ pretty similar to where we are today. Why? There were fears of a of slowing economic growth in China. We had shrinking energy prices because we had a glut of energy on the market. And the world was very nervous about, let's see if this sounds familiar, whether or not the Fed was going to raise interest rates. And all of that had the markets and investors in quite a tizzy. And on that night, January 20th, 2016, we hosted a forum at our office, uh, an economic forum. We used to do these pre-COVID, and frankly, we need to get to doing them again. They were a lot of fun. But when our investors, when our clients came to the office that evening and sat down for a nice dinner and a big, long conversation about what was going on in portfolios, people were unsettled, I guess is probably the best way to put it. But if I called up every single one of those investors, that you know, 150 people that were in our door that evening, and I asked them, What can you tell me about the great market correction of 2015 and 2016? I would bet you, to a person, no one would remember what I was talking about. In fact, and and I, I include this in our latest edition of the Weekly Insight Memo, which you can see in the show notes, if you look at that great correction of 
2015, 2016. I'm saying that sarcastically. But if you look at it as a piece of the overall market chart for the last decade, it's a blip. It's a hiccup at best. And I don't say that because I'm trying to be dismissive of what we're going through today. We are going through something that I think we have to pay a heck of a lot of attention to. Anytime you try to take an economy off of the massive stimulus that it's been on, try to reverse course and try to engineer it through interest rate increases at a time of high inflation, that's going to be dicey. We know that. I'm not dismissing what's happening today. And I think you probably know that because we've been sitting here talking about it for the last four months about how important these issues are. But I mentioned that because that evening was the first night that I sat down with my clients and we had a discussion of the biological reasons that fear has such a pull on investors. So you've heard us at Insight Wealth Group Harp in our memo, in this podcast, we've talked a lot about the fear and greed cycle. And that conversation gets used so flippantly, frankly, in my industry. And I've, I've probably been guilty of using it flippantly. But it is a very important thing to pay attention to because oftentimes, you know, it is the human impulse to run when things get scary. But as we wait for this Fed meeting, which is what drove all the fear last week, I think now is a really good time to refresh on why that fear and greed cycle is important. So that's what we're going to spend today's podcast doing. So let's, let's keep this flashback theme going here. And instead of flashing back to 2016, I want to flash you back to the dawn of time, or at least the dawn of man. Back then, things were very different. While today we might be scared when the stock market's down 13%, or when there's a war 5,000 miles away, all of which are justifiable reasons to be scared, by the way. Back then, early man was scared all the time. everything was trying to kill him. Animals, his fellow man, the food he ate, the water he drank, everything was a risk. Fear was necessary. And as such, a piece of our brain, the amygdala, evolved to make sure that ancient man stayed on edge. It's our fear center of our brain. Why? It's pretty simple. If a branch snaps in the woods as ancient man is walking from his hut down to the river or his cave down to the river to get some water, if a branch snaps in the woods, he dang well better register that and turn around and see what caused it, right? Because it could be that a squirrel jumped from one tree to another tree and broke a branch. But it could also be that there's a tiger behind him or somebody from the neighboring clan who wanted to kill him, whatever it might be, there was a very high likelihood that something might be behind him and want to hurt him or kill him. There's actually a great movie. So I am a I'm a dad with little kids and so I have an arsenal of animated movie quotes that we could use uh, on this podcast. But one of my favorites is a movie called The Crudes and I'm sure many of you have seen this. But The Crudes follows a a family of cavemen and women who are going through an interesting transitionary time in the span of cavemen, right? And I'm not going to try to pretend to say that this is in any way historical, but the point being that they have spent their entire life in fear. And as a matter of fact, the family has a motto. The motto is never not be afraid, or another way to put it, always be afraid, right? 
Why? Because fear, as as the main character, uh, the dad in the movie, uh, says to his daughter, who's actually really the main character in the movie, Eep, he says to her, fear keeps us alive, Eep. Never not be afraid. Well, the point of the movie, as Eep was trying to demonstrate to her family, is that you can't possibly live in fear all the time. Technology, in air quotes, for them at the time, was making their lives safer and safer. They they found fire in the movie. Fire would keep animals away. Fire would cook their food. Fire would do a lot of things for them. And they didn't have to cower in fear all the time anymore. And that was a very difficult transition for that family to make. But here's the thing. After finding fire and building the wheel and building cities and creating safe homes and nations and economies that flourish and you know, I know it's it's weird to say when we're looking at a very scary war in Europe right now, but you know, in terms of 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 warfare and combat, we're in one of the safest times we've ever seen in our lives. But despite all of that, we still have an amygdala. Fear still dominates our thinking and it's biological. So let me take this down another tangent. Have you ever wondered why there are so many negative news stories on TV? I don't know how many times I've heard people complain about it. And all they tell us is the negative stuff, right? Well, here's the thing. It's it's just biology. TV news programs get paid by making sure that the viewer will stick around over a commercial break so that their advertisers get eyes on their product. And so they're motivated to make sure that you and I keep watching. Well, what keeps us glued to the TV? It's not a story about a cat rescued from a tree. It's not a story about how great our livelihoods are and how much the economy has improved over the last hundred years and how much safer America and the world is than it was a hundred years ago, which it is, by the way. But a story about an axe murderer wandering the community or a story about Putin and, and Ukraine, that is going to get viewers, you and me, to stick around through the break. And so that's why we have, on average, 17 negative news stories for every one positive news story that exists out there. Fear is our natural evolutionary state, and its cousin is greed. And so what's funny here is that when things are scary, we we go directly that fear impulse, the run impulse. But man, when things are getting good, we get greedy. It's the old FOMO, fear of missing out, right? Your buddy's talking to you at the golf course about how great he's doing in some mutual fund. Well, by the time he's talking to you about that, it's probably too late to invest in it. But we don't want to miss out. And so we, we jump on the greed train. And that combination of fear and greed in an investment portfolio has always been a disaster. I, I won't go in depth into this today, and maybe this is something that's worth another podcast and other memo down the road, but we have often talked to our clients about something called the Dalbar Study of Investor Behavior. And the Dalbar Study of Investor Behavior has been looking for the last roughly 20, 20, I think maybe since 2000, so maybe like 22 years, has been looking at how investors do relative to the broader market. And I'll always remember this statistic, and I, I, I know it because it stuck with me, and I don't remember the name of the fund, but there was a mutual fund that was the top performing mutual fund from 2000 to 2010, so for the first decade of the Dalbar study research. And that mutual fund, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was a healthcare fund, and it did something in the neighborhood of on the high teens per year on average. We'd all love that, right? That would be a great fund to invest in. 
But then Dalbar broke down how the average individual investor did in that fund. And again, I'm not going to get these numbers perfectly, but I believe that the average individual investor lost something like 5% a year in that fund. So when I've, I've cited that quote to people before, they say, well, how could that be possible? If the fund is making, you know, call it 15, 18% a year, how could investors lose 5% a year? It's very simple. The average investor in that fund was buying at the wrong time and selling at the wrong time. Remember what happened in that decade. We had a huge uh, collapse in the stock market in 2000, 2001, the tech bubble bursting, 9-11 on the front end. And then we had another big catastrophe in 2008 with the great financial crisis. And in between, we had this huge run-up in stocks where the greed cycle really took hold. And so what were investors in that mutual fund doing? They were buying at the wrong time and they were selling at the wrong time. So that brings me back to our favorite quote of all time. You've heard me say it probably 10 times in the 15 episodes we've done of this podcast. And it's the line from the Oracle of Omaha himself, Mr. Warren Buffett, where he says, very simply, our job is to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. It's really hard to do. It's biologically against our nature. But it's one of those things we have to force ourselves to do time and time again. And it's very, very important to the success of investing. Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway had their weekend confab, the the big annual Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting in Omaha this last weekend. And I thought something that Mr. Buffett said there was particularly well tied to this. He said that the success of Berkshire Hathaway wasn't because he was particularly smart or that the folks at Berkshire Hathaway knew something that other people didn't. Instead, he said, it's, quote, because we are sane. He's setting aside the emotional ups and downs of investing and focusing on the facts in front of him. So what has Mr. Buffett done during this correction? He announced on Saturday that Berkshire Hathaway had spent $51 billion of its cash investing it in companies in the last two months. At a time when, in February, when he released his shareholder letter, he was complaining about the opportunities to deploy cash. The opportunities presented themselves in this correction, and they have pounced. He is being greedy while everyone else is fearful. We don't have a crystal ball here. I can't tell you what the stock market's going to do in the next month or two months or three months or three years. But I'll tell you what, that approach for him and for us has worked really, really well. I'll always remember February, middle of February uh, 2016 when the market bottomed. That day that the market bottomed was the day of, I have always said, our best trade ever. And it was a time when we simply invested in the S&P 500 index fund on that day. And we were lucky. We didn't know that it was going to be the bottom of the market. We had no idea. But we did know that we needed to be greedy when others were fearful. And that was a trade that stuck with me for a very long time and has reinforced this. And as Mr. Buffett is finding this a good time to invest cash and finding this a good time to be greedy, I would caution all of us that maybe we shouldn't always let that fear impulse rule our lives. Now, we'll see what Chairman Powell says on Wednesday. I may get on this podcast next weekend and yell, run! I hope not. But we know what they're going to say. They're going to raise rates by 50 basis points, and then we'll have to see what their predictions for the future are. In the meantime, we'll leave you with the reminder that sometimes we have to go a little bit against our biology.
and I'll leave it there this week. I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope it's been helpful for you. If you have any questions or would like to discuss it further, please don't hesitate to give us a call at the office at 515-273-1333. Or as always, you can go look at our latest edition of the Weekly Insight Memo. It's in the show notes, or you can also see it on our website at www.insightwealthgroup.com. Hope you have a great week. Take care. Securities offered through RTA Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, NFA. Investment advisory services offered through RTA Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm.